anyone who's watching the video may notice there's a new addition, a small space heater in my room. And that's because my electricity bill has doubled. Seems like this is actually happening to a lot of people. Uh, we know prices of things have gone up, but doubled is a bit of a shock. Last year in December, for my house, I spent 15,000 yen. It's like 150 bucks. Okay, it's a house, so it's going to use a lot of energy and there's going to be a lot of leakage and stuff and it's not going to be super energy efficient because we have windows. Um, so that was fine. We used less electricity this December and paid 30,000 yen, which is a shock when that bill comes. So that cut into... All that, of course, this month came out of my entertainment budget. We basically have to re-jigger our finances to make sure we can pay all our bills and stuff. We're not in any trouble or anything. It's just, it's it's a big shock because everything's gone up by 4%. I've noticed that. Electricity doubling is a lot. So now we have kerosene heaters, which is a very common way to heat a room in Japan. So kerosene is cheaper than electricity. Uh, my associate Dave, he usually sits in the corner of the bed in his bed. That has been vacated. The bed, his little bed has been put on the ground so he can sit right in front of the heater because Dave absorbs heat. But at 4 o'clock in the morning, he usually wakes up and gets like really close to my chest when we're sleeping. It's very cute. But he generates a ton of heat, and it's super nice. Uh, but we're not here for that. I'm also in pain. <laughs> You're not here to hear about this either. I just have to get all the personal stuff out of the way. Uh, you'll notice I'm sort of sitting like my arm is in a sling, even though it isn't. Maybe I'm pledging allegiance to something. I'm not. I have no allegiances. I hurt my shoulder in judo yesterday. I woke up with a hangover, but it's not a hangover. Hangover is really just a dehydration from alcohol over consumption. Uh, I was dehydrated from judo. I drank water, a ton of water last night. Usually I would wake up in the middle of the night and drink some more water because I have a headache. I would just woke up with a headache. It's basically a hangover headache. It's basically gone already. I spent the entirety of this morning drinking water. I have some with me here to keep my voice from being too gross. And I have to work today. So I, I thought I'll get up, I'll record right away and edit right away, and maybe I can still get this up today. I don't know if I have it in me, to be honest. I'm pushing through. This is this is very much a concerted effort on my part to get this week's Ninja News Japan out. I was just going to skip and wait till next week and sit around and just read or play video games or something, but... But you know what? People really want to know what's going on with Tropicana. <laughs> Tropicana in Japan last year in September. I actually, we did this on Engineer Japan. They had a melon drink. And on the label it said 100% whole fruit melon taste. Written, if I remember correctly, in English. Now that was a slightly deceptive practice. Because it wasn't... When you see... 100% on a fruit drink, you think fruit juice. You don't actually check the, the thing. It actually had 2% melon juice. 98% was apple, banana, and grape juice. So still all juice. There was a lot of juice in there. It just wasn't melon juice. Melons are incredibly expensive in Japan. So a 100% melon juice drink would be like... Five ten dollars. It'd be like going to Starbucks. Oh God! Just sorry. I just moved my fucking shoulder. Uh, this might happen several times throughout the podcast where I move and make a small pain sound. Ah, oh, 
Fuck me. Oh, Jesus. I'm pushing it. It's a bad idea. <laughs> don't. When you injure yourself, don't push on it. And you're probably going, Peter, why? Why did you push on it? It's kind of like a deep massage technique. It hurts, but then it feels better when you stop. I guess any pain, if you inflict on yourself when you stop, technically feels better. But back to Tropicana. This is going to be the podcast. It's going to be me talking about the pain I'm experiencing in the moment and the news story flipping back and forth. I will not be doing a lot of editing again because I'm going to try to get this out today. The company then had to redesign the package. They were told by the like consumer affairs, like, this is deceptive. They had a melon on it. It was blocking out. You could still see the apple, banana, and grape. It was basically blocking out. So they were basically lying to consumers, trying to imply that it was 100% melon juice. So the company had to redesign the package. And then the Japan Consumer Affairs applied a fine of, and this is to, uh, why it's recent, because just recent this week, 19,150,000 yen in violation of the act against unjustifiable premiums. That's not what they're in, in violation of. And misleading representation, which is what they're in violation of. They calculate this. This was maybe to me the more interesting part. This punishment was a calculation of 3% of sales of whatever product has violated this rule. So basically, if I make a product and I put that product out, that product violates this rule. The way this is calculated is three percent of sales of whatever the like the bogus product is. So they've calculated all the sales. The pro- I don't know if it's the profits. I guess it's just sales. So their profits aren't going to be one hundred percent. So they're taking three percent of sales, which is going to really re- their profit margin might be small. It might be five ten percent. I know it's not. Uh, most products probably is twenty five to fifty percent profit margin. Maybe that's the stores. I don't know. But I know three percent is a proper hit. I mean, this is actually them doing some real damage to the company in the hopes that they can force them, cause them enough pain so that they don't do it again. I kind of liked this story. So, you know, in America, there's, if you go on Twitter or something like that and you look at like people who work at convenience stores or sandwich shops and stuff and they're like, here's what we threw out today. I went to my manager and said, can we donate this to a homeless shelter? And they're like, no corporate policy is that we throw it away and it was like walmart or costco or one of these big companies actually had a guard by the garbage so that people wouldn't steal their garbage so that they could you know sustain themselves off the stuff that they were going to throw away and fill up a landfill with lawson is a convenience store chain in japan and they're i don't know if you call famous but they have a lot of deep fried chicken available american gas stations have rolling hot dogs that I would never eat. But apparently they're not that bad. There's a couple people, for some reason I was reading on the internet the other day on Reddit or something, a couple people like them because they worked there and they knew how fresh they actually were and how long they actually put them out for. Lawson donates chicken to children's food charity that are past the sell-by date. Now that sounds bad. Now we know sell-by dates tend to be generous. You throw it out before it really goes bad. But it, this is something that has to be deep fried and cooked. So what do they do? They deep fry it. They put it on the shelf. Uh, if it doesn't get sold by the sell-by date, they freeze it, send it to the children's charity where it can be defrosted and then sort of refried kind of quickly and still and be pretty good. So it really, it just comes down to what is that sell-by date? How long does it sit out for? The sell-by date for the chicken 
at Lawson, the karage specifically. So karage is like a ball of chicken that they deep fry. And they're quite good. It's a very common food item in Japan. The karage's sell-by date is six hours. So that's when you realize the sell-by... Because we think of sell-by date as days or weeks or whatever. This is done in hours. So they deep fry it. They put it on that little shelf. If it doesn't sell in six hours, they take it off the shelf and they flash freeze it. And then at the end of the day, that frozen chicken is going to go to a children's cafeteria so the children can have some. I mean, not the most nutritious food in the world, but I can tell you the chicken's good. It being deep fried isn't the worst, but I can tell you it's better than some of the alternatives of garbage food that you might get uh, in the same situation. So I again, I like the idea that food isn't being wasted. I've always thought like, I'm not going to stop buying it so that I can go stand by your garbage. And I certainly wouldn't be angry about the idea of you taking food and giving it to children who need food. So good on you, Lawson. I'm very happy for you. I'm very happy with you. I'm very happy with you. I'm happy. Except for my shoulder. Fuck. We have an ongoing debate between Japan and China. It's really just China debating a very one-sided thing. So there's been a recent outbreak. They stopped with their zero, zero COVID policies. What they were doing was like one case of COVID in a factory. We're going to lock everyone in that factory until they all die or they all get past it. Uh, there was one, it was like an Ikea and it was like this flood of people trying to get out of the Ikea before they locked the doors. And so it's pretty scary. They've stopped that policy, which has actually meant that people are intermixing, people are walking around. So now they're having their first massive wave of COVID. South Korea and Japan are like, oh, shit. So what we should do is have anyone traveling from China to South Korea or South or Japan do a COVID test. Now, I last week was talking about I had to do a COVID test to come back to Japan from Canada. So this didn't seem unreasonable to me. The Chinese government, on the other hand, saw this as being racist and discriminatory and very, very unfair. China recently has said we're going to open... China to tour groups from 20 countries from February 6. So we're going to like try to re-encourage tourism to re to reinvigorate that industry. They gave sort of a side-eye Japan and went, but not you. And not you, South Korea. Screw you if you're testing people so they don't have COVID and bring it into your country. Which I actually thought is, this is very short-sighted. Japanese and South Korean tourists spend a lot of money when they go on holiday, when they go places... You're just screwing yourself. So I don't consider the you have to take a COVID test 48 hours before you travel to be offensive. You could say it's discriminatory because it's being applied to China, but it's being applied to China because they've had an outbreak of COVID. This takes us to the second part of this story. Uh, China also imposed on Japan... America, South Korea travelers, because you can still go there. You can get like other visas and stuff. You can still go there. You have to take a nucleic acid test. Now, I didn't look into it. I wanted to look into it by, again, because I have to work today. I didn't really have much time to do any extra research. Is it more invasive or more difficult or whatever? It's a more severe test than just your standard COVID test, I assume. And they said, we're going to continue forcing Japanese, American, and South Koreans to take uh, this nucleic acid test until their discriminatory practices cease. So basically they're saying, you've discriminated against us, so 
we're going to discriminate against you. And until you stop your discriminatory practices, we're going to discriminate. They see no hypocrisy in what they're saying. This is just tit for tat stuff. But the statement they came out, they said, you should base your rules on science, not politics. But science would tell you if a country is having an outbreak of COVID, you should test the people from that country before you allow them into your country as tourists. That would actually be pretty solid science. Science often involves testing things. Uh, China is saying that they're the, these countries, so Japan and South Korea and stuff, they're making political responses to the, the, the situation, not scientific ones. Uh, I would disagree. And it, the thing is, their response to all this is not scientific. It's incredibly political-based. It's very emotional almost. And I think maybe my respect for the China... How do I say it? I, the Chinese government, because it's the same thing all the time. They basically, this has been my thing with dictatorships in the, in the Chinese Communist Party and stuff. They make a statement and then they do the exact opposite of the thing they're saying other people should do. And that they don't understand the problem. And they'll tell you what to do and then they'll do the opposite of that. So this is, I guess it's just, it's just the hypocrisy and it's hard to formulate into words that sound like anything other than stop being hypocritical. But yeah, saying you should base your decisions on science, which I think they, I mean, it's not scientific, but you find out this country has lots of COVID, we should test those people. I wouldn't call that scientific, but it's sensible. But if you went and talked to scientists and said, hey, uh, we have people coming from other countries into our country and this set of countries has COVID, what should we do? The scientists are going to say, you should test those people. Because if they don't have COVID, it's fine. If they do have COVID, uh, we should quarantine them. I, I, maybe they don't understand what science is. Uh, again, it's not, it has nothing to do with reality. That maybe is what I'm trying to struggle with. North Korea and China, a lot of times they make statements and it doesn't have anything to do with the real world. It seems to me like a very emotional response. And I guess that's what you can get away with when you have a basic dictatorship. Last week, I talked about wage increases. Uh, everything's gone up 4% inflation, and it's going to go up again a little more or more products in the future. So basically, everyone in Japan has just lost 4% of their salary if their salary does not increase. So the government's like, hey, companies, please increase your salaries. A bunch of big companies have said, yep, we'll do what the government says. But then this week, it came out 70% of small to mid-sized firms have no plan to raise wages. And I would bet it's not because they're malicious. I bet it's because they can't. We've all gone through this pandemic together. Company profits are not going to be high. Where is this money coming from to pay these people if you don't pass on increased prices? But if you do increase prices, which most companies are, then that money should go to the worker. I guess this is, again, my very socialist idea of an increase. Inflation should not line the coffers of the rich leaders it should support the working class so that they can compete with inflation whereas companies don't think that way 
Companies thinking profits. I actually read an article and it was an American thing. And the guy said he's been waiting for a big jump in inflation so he can raise prices and he'll make tons of money. Which implies I have no intent to even consider the idea of paying my workers more. So 70% of small to mid-sized firms have no plan to raise wages. Small to mid-sized firms make up 99% of the companies in Japan. So... Yes, these big companies like Toyota, they will probably raise wages of their main companies, but a lot of the stuff they actually do is working with Toyota subsidiaries. They are going to be small to mid-sized firms. Those companies are not raising their wages. And again, I think because they can't right now. They might be able to, maybe once sort of the economy settles and they've got this new price structure, they could then, but the problem is by that time they're like, well, I'm making more money. Why would I raise the wages of the worker and lose money in my pocket? And this is kind of like a, a working class, ruling class kind of problem. But one of the, a couple of things I've learned about economics is the strongest countries economically, all the money is in the middle class. And it's because if you have all the money focused in a small group of billionaires, which is sort of what's happening in America, when the economy has a problem, when it changes... They actually, because it's a small group, cannot spend enough to fix the economy. Like if I'm a billionaire and I buy stuff, I'm really buying, like even if I buy like supercars and yachts, that doesn't impact the economy the way it would be if millions of people started spending more on food. So like if I have enough money, I might buy higher quality food. I buy more food. I certainly buy a lot more chocolate. So it's the flexibility of the economy depends on the middle class being strong. So you actually want to get your poverty group up into the lower middle class so they have money to spend so that they start spending money because a small group at the top who has all the money actually can't spend fast enough. That's the problem. Like that's the issue with the economy and having like a small group of billionaires have all the money. Because it means when there's like a downturn, there is no middle class to support the economy anymore. And the rich can't spend enough or enough variation to actually fix it. So really, we shouldn't have billionaires because billionaires, it's not that they don't want to. They can't fix the economy. They don't see a problem because they're going to be fine. But when the world collapses around them, I guess they move. (laughs) Ah, fuck, I just went to get my drink. Oh, my shoulder is ridiculous. It's probably going to be fine by tomorrow. Actually, I'm old. It's probably never going to be fine again. God, I'm so old. Hot water tastes great. Okay. Anyways, that's uh, Chunk the Beef Chest's little TED talk about the economy. Uh, it's it's very socialist sounding, but it's actually because socialist republics and whatnot tend to do better during uh, economic downturns. So the government is ha- going to have a debate. Going to. They've actually been talking about this for a long time. They're going to have a proper debate about the low birth rate in Japan. My guess is it's going to be a bunch of old Japanese men in a room talking about work. And they have some good ideas, but okay, so really, 
they're gonna so you have to have like Kishida, the Prime Minister of Japan. He has to stand up and say, okay, how do we get some D's and some V's? You know what I'm saying? And everyone else is like, yeah, yeah, we know what you're saying. They start talking about economic support for houses with children. Money is good. But that's after you have the kid. So support is important because it helps people with kids support their children. It might make having children more attractive to families and whatnot. But that doesn't get people fucking. Which is the core issue here. How do we get more people to fuck and have a baby and then like have that baby come out and they take care of it? And so that's their their issue is always they actually tend to focus on the economic aspects of it. And I'm not saying that's not important. That's actually incredibly important. They should do as much as possible to support uh, women, especially because it has to be women who want to work and have a family. So like flexible work hours, work times, maybe like half shifts for jobs. And you have to hire two women to do it. So one in the morning, one in the afternoon, so they can like swap off. All that kind of thing, flex hours are really important. But that doesn't get a D and a V. So where does the D come from? And it's the work, man. (laughs) Where do Japanese penises come from is a phrase I didn't think I was going to be saying today. The D is in the man. It's not in the man. If you don't understand physiology, you would know it's not inside the man. But, well, if I had a touchpad thing, I would draw a human male right now and explain where the penis is, but I don't. So you're not going to get that. The D is connected to the man. And the work culture in Japan has the man at work 90% of the time. And I've said fairly regularly that this work-life balance, this work culture in Japan is the core issue that they do not want to deal with because that is what's sustaining the economy, or so they think. The economy in the world has changed. And I know there's a lot of people who go to work, like I know a lot of Japanese businessmen, and they're like, you can't leave until the boss leaves. But that means if you're done your work for the day, you just sit there until the boss leaves. You're getting paid, you're probably salaried you're surfing the internet you're you're looking like you're working and when the boss leaves you can leave that's japanese work culture and it's very problematic because it means my life is work my life is not family and my life is not time with my partner which is how you end up with some d's and some v's so where does the d come from it actually comes from being available and energetic. Uh, no time off means you have no energy. A lot of Japanese businessmen, you talk to them, you go like, what do you do on your day off? They're like, basically, I sleep the whole day because I'm so tired from the entire work week. So you need energy, and that requires like sort of recharge time. You need free time so you can spend time with a partner and form an actual connection with them so that the V wants the D in it so that you want to put the D in the V because you have an actual relationship. So much so that you actually want to produce a new baby which may have a D or a V. I think maybe I've stretched this premise to its limit. So I believe that it should be wages and time off. I think the best way to increase the birth rate would be to essentially go to a four-day work week If you want to work these long hours during the day, that's fine. But a four-day work week with the same salary, no salary drop, which means people would be very happy to take that day off. 
And then they'd actually spend some time with their family in a invigorated state, which is very important for the D. Uh, they might pay attention to their partner, which is very important for the V. And then you might get more babies. It's a long-term prospect, though. It's not something that's going to happen quickly. Or over But they've been struggling with this for years. The population decline in Japan has been constant. And it's in the news constantly. And they keep trying to figure out what to do. And it's basically, they're just like, well, we'll give more money to families. I'm like, but you're not, the problem is you're not making the family in the first place. If you're not making the family in the first place, giving those families more money isn't going to solve the problem of not enough D's in not enough V's. Last story. We have no creepy guy story this week. I should maybe make a sad sound for that last one. It's rare. I think maybe the ones that happened this week I just did not find interesting enough. But we are talking about COVID, the last story. And they're saying in spring they're going to downgrade COVID to flu status. Uh, so right now it's a class 2 virus or sickness and it's going to be brought down to class 5 because the death rate has dropped significantly. Which means you're not going to have to wear masks indoors. You already don't have to wear masks outdoors. So essentially you don't have to wear masks. And I was talking to some of my coworkers and stuff and I was like, well, are you going to stop? And I was like, personally, I'm going to wear a mask on the train for sure. Just probably in perpetuity. Probably for most of the time from now on, I'll wear a mask on the train. Unless COVID just becomes a non-entity after a while. Because viruses do often tend to die out. They tend to just sort of stop. Uh, probably if I was like downtown or something, I might wear a mask when I'm walking around. In our office, it'll be on and off. I'll keep one with me. We do have a lot of coworkers who cough a lot, and I'm not confident that they're not sick. So I would probably wear it then. I'm going to wear a mask during allergy season probably all day. It's just good. I've actually gotten to the point where now it's good that if we don't have to wear a mask and I choose to wear a mask, it's not going to like be a thing. I think before if I wore a mask, before the pandemic, because it was common in Japan, it's common in Asia to wear a mask during allergy season or when you have a cold, but it would have been like, oh, what's wrong with you? What's going on? Da, da, da. Now it's just going to be like, oh, he's got allergies or someone around him maybe coughed once. So he's wearing a mask to be safe. So I actually like that because it's become now more of a choice without any stigma attached to it at all, and I don't have to explain it, because I hate explaining why I'm wearing stuff. I hate explaining my choices, because they're my choices, just leave me alone. That's actually my feeling about a lot of stuff. Um, the problem is, when you actually look at the facts, we're sort of in our eighth wave in Japan. It's, it's really up and down. The numbers are really, really up and down every day. But we are having a record number of daily deaths, and that's maybe from actually the last wave seven, People have had COVID for a long time and their bodies are just giving out. It might be a lot of older people. They didn't get into the demographics or statistics, but technically speaking, we are now in a record number of deaths for COVID. What a horrible way to end a podcast. Optimistically, so I want to end on a positive note if I can. If we don't have to wear a mask, I plan to grow a beard again, which some members of the community have said, my beard is amazing. Some don't like it. But people. I, what I've found is that it's very divisive. People who like the beard absolutely adore the beard. They think it's the best thing ever. People who don't like the beard absolutely hate the beard. But that strong positive reaction is enough for me to want to grow. I usually, before I would grow a beard every winter and then shave it off and then grow another beard. 
But it's been a couple of years because the mask, when I found that I was wearing the mask, the beard didn't work out so well. So, yeah, the positive aspect of COVID being downgraded is that your friend, Chunk McGee's chest, may grow a beard. <laughs>